Hey everyone, it's Jim Warren, Jimbo, from the Hello Jimbo Speaking Podcast and Live Digging Deeper Cafes. First, I want to welcome you to the 2021 Summer of Review. Weekly throughout this summer, I will add one of the 21 episodes of the podcast we have already published. Why? Well, many of you may not have heard the most important ones. Others of you may need a review. Some of you may be joining us for the first time. If so, hang on, it's a wild ride. Then, each Sunday evening, I will add the Digging Deeper Cafe, where we discuss the episode you just reviewed. Next, I want to let you know that we will be back in September with brand new episodes of both the Hello Jimbo Speaking Podcast and the Digging Deeper Cafe. Finally, please let this summer be a time where your life honors and glorifies your Father through the faith that produces obedience. Settle for nothing less. Why? Father settles for nothing less. So here we go with this week's review of one of the most important episodes of the Hello Jimbo Speaking Podcast. Let's get radical. Hello, Jimbo speaking. Welcome to our weekly, listener-supported, Hello, Jimbo Speaking podcast. Today, Jimbo will be sharing another one of his super impactful stories from the front lines of ministry, the next provocative installment of Inside Jimbo's Head, and a brand new Laugh with a Punch one-minute comedy sketch from Lifeline Productions. Hey Jimbo, why don't you fill in our listeners with the details? Happy to do that, Riri. Well, folks, today we are really getting down into the nitty-gritty of the biblical answer to the question, what is Kingdom Christianity, in the Inside Jimbo's Head segment. But before we get there, I will share a victory story from the front lines of ministry entitled, It Happened at a Funeral. You know, if I don't keep my head screwed on straight with the Lord, and of course my heart, working with disconnected higher-risk youth can get very difficult. Years ago, the first lesson I needed to learn was having patience and not expecting to see results immediately. However, many times, years later, Father gives me a peek into some of those results. You will hear of three of them in this Stories from the Front Lines of Ministry. One of the strongest positive comments I get from listeners about these podcasts is, of course, Hershimer, and now Haha. But right behind them are the one-minute laugh with a punch skits from Lifeline Productions. Today's is entitled, Can I Stay Home from School? Here is something for you to think about as you wait for the laughs. What would happen if you gave your kids everything they asked for? Finally, we will open up Jimbo's head one more time. This week, a continuation of the biblical perspective on what is Kingdom Christianity fell out of that scary place. We will look at a couple more proofs that the terms Kingdom of God and Kingdom of Heaven are interchangeable, what the Kingdom of God is all about, and how it should affect the life of a Jesus follower. Then we will hit the biggest question of all, what is the Gospel? It is far more than what you have been led to believe it is if you run in typical conventional Christianity circles. Does that sound controversial enough for you? So, that's about it, Riri. Jimbo, Jimbo, Jimbo! Hey, Jimbo! Not again, Hershimer. What's up this time? Jimbo, 
Nobody like Hershimer. What do you mean, Hershimer? Jimbo likes you, and so does Riri, plus you have a new girlfriend, haha. But Jimbo, Hershimer not have girlfriend, or any friends anymore. They all left Hershimer. What do you mean, Hershimer? Hershimer just come from bottom desk drawer, and everyone gone. Gone? What do you mean by gone? I haven't seen any of your friends crawl out of the bottom desk drawer. Jimbo, you always busy. You never see Hershimer come and go. Well, you have a point there, Hershimer. I tell you what, why don't you stay here by my side so you can cheer real loud when Riri introduces me? If all your friends are gone, it will be a pretty quiet place without you. Okay, Jimbo. Hershimer, try real hard. Okay, Riri, take it away. Okay, Jimbo. As I said before, folks, this is the listener-supported Hello, Jimbo Speaking podcast. Your host is Jim Warren, author, motivational speaker, pastor, teacher, high-risk youth advocate, and life coach. But most of all, he's an all-around wild and crazy guy. So, without any further ado, from behind a cheap microphone in the dynamic life development studios in the thriving metropolis of Wheatfield, Indiana. Okay, I guess if you count all the heads of corn and soybeans, you can call it a thriving metropolis. Here's Jimbo! Did you hear that, Hershimer? If all your friends have left you, where did all that noise come from? Ha-ha, <laughs> Hershimer! Ha-ha, <laughs> fool Hershimer! Ha-ha, <laughs> get you back! What? What? Where ha-ha come from? Hershimer think ha-ha, and Hershimer's friends all left Hershimer! Bottom desk drawer empty! Hershimer no ha-ha never leave Hershimer! Haha, ha, get all Hershimer friends to hide in hanging file folders in bottom desk drawer. Haha, ha, play trick on Hershimer for last week when Hershimer trick haha. Ha. <laughs> okay, Hershimer, you sure deserve that one, little buddy. Quit your pouting. If you dish it out, you have to take it. She sure got you a good one, didn't she? Okay, Jimbo. Jimbo, right. Hershimer did get haha ha last week. Haha, still love Hershimer? Of course, Hershimer. Haha, always loves Hershimer. Okay, you little lovebirds get back down in that drawer so I can get on with this podcast. Go on, get down there. Man, oh man. And I thought I had my hands full with just Hershimer. One of these days, I've got to figure out how all those little guys get into my bottom desk drawer with all my hanging files. Anyway, let me do my reminders, and then we can get to our story from the front lines of ministry and Lifeline Productions laugh with a punch. I want to remind you to go take a look at the Hello Jimbo Speaking podcast website at jimbospeaking.org. That's J-I-M-B-O-S-P-E-A-K-I-N-G, all lowercase, dot org. This is our official website where you can catch up on some behind-the-scenes stories and information you will not hear on the podcast. 
You will find links to my books and other information, as well as download transcripts from the Inside Jimbo's Head segment from all the way back to our very first episode. You will also be able to make larger donations to the Robert Anthony West Memorial Fund to help support my direct costs discipling and coaching disconnected higher-risk youth and young adults. I also want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast. Not only will you receive a reminder of each week's release, but you will help move us up in the rankings so more people can find us. Oh, and while you're on the Hello Jimbo Speaking website, be sure to subscribe to the Hello Jimbo Speaking email list. You will get periodic newsletters, but more importantly, you will get a sneak preview each week of the upcoming podcast. Finally, be sure to continue to leave me a message about how we're doing on the podcast, any questions you might have, or comments you'd like to make. So, thanks for acting on these requests. And now, let's move forward and laugh and think about this week's Lifeline Productions, Can I Stay Home Today? But, before we get to that, here is a story from the front lines of ministry entitled, It Happened at a Funeral. hear those war sounds? Well, in every war, there are some victories. And today's story, it's all about victory. It happened at a funeral, and Jimbo was blown away. I have had a few opportunities to minister to the families of the young men and women I meet at the Juvenile Detention Center. One day, I received a call from the mother of two young men I knew from eight years earlier. They were a handful at the time. She called because her husband had passed after a long bout with Alzheimer's disease. She and the boys wanted me to do the funeral. I felt honored that they would think of me so many years after I had last seen any of them. I got to the funeral home early to meet with the boys and their mother. As I was talking to the mother in the hall, a tall young man walked up. Who is this? I asked. Hey, Jimbo, don't you remember me? I'm Tommy. Wow, was I surprised. When I knew him, he was short and always ready to pop someone in the eye. This young man looked a little rough around the edges, but much more caring and peaceful. His mother told me how Tommy had stayed home to care for his dad while she went back to work in Chicago. This way, they didn't lose their home. That surprised me. Tommy and his dad were always at loggerheads. It was tough at first, said Tommy, but I learned to love him. Wow, Tommy in love like that was an oxymoron back in his JDC days. Then I met Tommy's brother, Frank. Another big surprise. Frank had a great job with the railroad, owned a house, and took care of his girlfriend and their baby. No one at JDC would have ever believed that this young man would have become so responsible. 
Soon, another young man walked up. Remember me, Jimbo? To my surprise, it was Ken. He was Tommy and Frank's best friend, both now and in juvenile detention. When one was locked up, they all were locked up together. As we talked, I learned he had a great job with a national rescue team. This special team went around the country saving people's lives when the local rescue teams could not handle the situation. Wow. One guy loving his father and changing his diapers, another taking care of people besides himself, and one risking his life for people he never knew? My mind was blown. Yet the smile stayed plastered on my face for the next week. Just before the service began, these young men were standing around talking to me. You know, Jimbo, if it hadn't been for you, your classes in JDC, and the way you spent time with us individually, we would probably still be popping in and out of jail. Those were the words of Ken. The other two smiled and nodded in agreement and said thank you. Thank you? I very rarely hear those words from the kids to whom I minister. I started the funeral, but every time I looked up at one of those young men, I got all choked up. I never get choked up when officiating a funeral. Not my mom's, not my grandparents, never. But this funeral was different. Not because I knew the person who had passed, I didn't, but because every time I looked out at the people, I saw one of three miracles. And once again, my eyes kept welling up and my voice would crack. While I doubt if any of these young men have become disciples of Jesus, each asked for my card so they could call me and we could talk. I haven't heard from any of them yet, but by faith, I believe I will, at least the next time they are having a hard time. And the beat? Huh. Well, the beat keeps going on and on and on and on and on. I'll be back in a moment. Jesus constantly and consistently challenged the cultural mindset of both the religious leaders and his disciples, time and time again. He did not match up with either their religious norms, nor their cultural norms. At one point, many disciples turned to leave him after such a confrontation. His question, are you also going to leave, must have stung in the ears of the twelve. Impetuous Peter was the first to speak up. Lord, to whom would we go? Today, Jesus challenges the American culture and Western mindset of his followers. Nowhere is this more explicit than his response when the first disciples asked, Lord, teach us to pray. As usual, familiarity has caused this important pattern for our petitions and lifestyle to become one of many things we think we understand because, well, it's so simple. But in this book, as you have been learning on Jim's podcasts, you will learn that Jesus challenges most of the cultural norms of both America and the American church. The question is, are you also going to leave? Maybe you will continue to ignore these keys to the kingdom. Maybe you will just keep on keeping on, as if everything will work out fine in the end. Here is Jim speaking about this book. 
I believe with all my being, as you have learned in my podcasts, that Father's calling us, His people, into a far more radical lifestyle than what we can even imagine. It is my prayer, this book, The Radical Jesus Prayer, Do You Really Want to Pray Like Jesus, will not scare you away. Some of the things I write about could, under most circumstances, do just that. However, I pray Father will use this book on the radical prayer of Jesus to open your eyes to a very different way of living than you have ever experienced. Yet, I ask only one thing. Please do not throw this book across the room. You may laugh at that now, but I promise at some point early on you will want to give it a good heave-ho. But please hang in there. One thing I point out is that Father never takes away the weeds without leading us to rich green pastures. When we learn the things Father calls us to lay aside are basically local weed, we will be ready for those rich green pastures. So hang in there with me. Walk through the pages of the Radical Jesus Prayer, Do You Really Want to Pray Like Jesus? And discover the radical pattern the Radical Jesus gave us to pray and live, producing the radical lifestyle Father calls us to walk with Him. One reason these patterns for our petitions rock our religious norms is because of an insipid reality that permeates the Western Church. Many have called it easy believism. As you read through the Radical Jesus Prayer, you will see how Jim speaks of it from time to time. Thus, he has added to this edition the small but powerful book, Dealing with Easy Believism. This book is focused on an alternative approach to ministering to a person who wants to have the right relationship with God. Jim sees this as moving people away from the just pray this prayer introduction to one that produces authentic discipleship and authentic community. Finally, if you own Jim's book, Communing with the Trinity, A Doctrine Experienced in Reality, you will not need to purchase this book. The Radical Jesus Prayer is the major portion from one chapter in that book entitled Petition and Intercession. Now maybe a two-volume book like Communing with the Trinity is a bit much for you. If so, then this book is a great introduction to Jim's radical understanding of the teachings of Jesus and his first disciples. You can find this radical, revealing, and spiritually rejuvenating book directly from Jim at dldpublishing.com at a reduced price. So hop on over, or at least click your way over, to dldpublishing.com and check it out for yourself. You will also find Jim's other books at a discounted price at dldpublishing.com, as well as a link to purchase the ebook versions on Amazon. And remember, all profits from this and each of Jim's books go directly to support his ministry to disconnected, higher-risk youth and young adults. Hey, Jimbo here. Just in case you didn't catch the name of this book, it is The Radical Prayer of Jesus. Do you really want to pray like Jesus? Check it out. If you like my podcasts, you'll love this book. school today? Is that what you want? Yeah. Okay, you can stay home from school today. Really? Can I stay home from school tomorrow too? Well, sure, if that's what you want. Wow. Uh, can I have ice cream for dinner tonight? Mm, hang on. Hun, 
Is it okay if Ellen has ice cream for dinner tonight? Ice cream for dinner and no vegetables? No vegetables? Ew, no! No vegetables! Okay, if that's what Ellen wants, it's ice cream for dinner tonight! Yay! Can we go to Disneyland tomorrow? What a great idea, Ellen! Let's go out and load the car right now! Can I drive? Anything you want, you can have! You're the best parent in the whole world! Sometimes God shows his love for us by not giving us the things we ask for. God loves us even when he says no. We can trust the answers that he gives. Another message from Lifeline Productions, the comic strip of radio at lifelinepro.com. Friends, let's open up Jimbo's head one more time. (laughs) Sorry about that. Uh, (laughs) I guess not. I put it in every week. But as you know, my head is old and squeaky, full of bats and all types of scary things. Okay, let's try to get serious. The first thing that popped out of my head today had to do with both this week's story from the front lines of ministry and the comedy skit by Lifeline Productions. Bet you didn't expect that, huh? One thing I have learned from ministering to disconnected higher-risk youth is the whole idea of patience. Last week, I shared with you how a man who was my pastor for many years told me, we are not called to be successful, but obedient. By the way, That being successful part, well, that's all about cultural Christianity. While I have learned to be patient with many things in my life, including the kids I minister to, the one place patience seems to elude me is in the realm of the church. When it comes to seeing the church move from a cultural Christianity to a kingdom style of faith and practice, I get very impatient. I have to admit one thing. The reason I am so impatient for this change to take place is somewhat selfish. I cannot become all Father has called me to be without being a part of a community of kingdom-minded disciples. By the way, neither can you. Now, that may sound strange to many because we live in such an individualistic culture, but the statement stands as true from a biblical perspective nonetheless. You see, where we find individualism in the modern church, Well, that is seepage from the American culture into the church. Now, when I listen to the story from the front lines of ministry we heard today, Father always speaks some special words into my inner person. If you love the young people you minister to with my kind of love and patience, why can't you have the same kind of love and patience with my people? Ever since he first spoke that into my heart many years ago, I always fall down in repentance. The hardest thing to learn for me and many people in America who want to be authentic disciples of Jesus is that we can't have our cake and eat it too. Okay, now that is a tried and old idiom, but it is true. We cannot live by the standards of the kingdom culture and by the standards of the American culture at the same time. Often we want Father to be like the dad from the Lifeline production comedy skit who gave everything to his child that she asked him to give her. That doesn't work in human families, and it definitely does not work in Father's household. So, 
What do I do when I lose patience with the American Christians putting American cultural standards above kingdom cultural standards? Well, I used to pull my hair out, but I have none of that anymore. Sometimes I cry and stamp my feet. Well, not really. Here's what I have learned over many years of impatience. I have learned to take solace in the teachings, commands, and examples of Jesus while knowing that His Word will not return to Him void. I believe it will happen, and that someday I will be a part of such a community of disciples. So, let's turn to that word as we continue to answer the question, what is Kingdom Christianity? Okay, my friends, let's get inside Jimbo's head and continuing answering the question, what is kingdom Christianity from a biblical perspective? But first, I want to add one last thought on the Iranian example of kingdom Christianity. Last week, we finished up looking at the exciting example of kingdom Christianity going on in Iran. I hope you had a chance to watch the documentary film Sheep Among the Wolves, Volume 2. It has given me great hope that we can live together in kingdom Christianity here in America. Now, I have had some people say that this can only happen in Eastern culture. They always point out that their culture is based on community and the church is under extreme persecution. There was a time when I used to believe the same thing. However, that would mean I would have to believe many issues of the Bible are not culturally relevant and I cannot buy into that mistaken idea. Recently, I discovered that Francis Chan had been allowing Father to move him from a cultural Christianity perspective to a kingdom perspective for several years now. He is doing a new work in the San Francisco area and shares his thoughts on the basic premises of this kingdom Christianity ministry in his new book, Letters to the Church. Here is what he says about what he has discovered to be a more excellent way, and if it is possible, in America. For years, I honestly didn't have faith that it was even possible for a church to possess the love and unity I saw in Scripture. People kept telling me this couldn't happen in America. I would see examples of this in places like China, but the church leaders would tell me it worked there only because people already lived communally and because they were experiencing persecution that forced them to bond. There was also a part of me that doubted those voices. But it was only a few years ago that I mustered up the courage to try. It was harder than I expected, but it's also been more rewarding than I could have dreamed. This can happen wherever you are, too. Holy Spirit love and unity are not confined to persecuted countries. I highly recommend this book if you are trying to move in these directions in your life. I especially recommend it if you are trying to move in these directions as a group of disciples who follow Jesus. I am convinced that only as a community of disciples of Jesus living in communion with the persons of the Trinity and each other will we ever reach this destiny which Father predetermined us to experience. 
Okay, now let's get down with the word. Last week, I shared with you why we need to realize that the terms kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven mean the exact same thing. They both point to the kingdom that was to be established by the Messiah. Jesus, as the Messiah, established that kingdom. We will see that next week. However, he established a spiritual kingdom rather than a physical kingdom, which was expected by the Jewish people because of the wrong interpretation of the scriptures by their leaders. For you theological wonks, they had their eschatology all messed up. Sound familiar? Okay, don't answer that. We don't need to get into that kettle of fish today. Save it for next week. Now, there are three things I need to point out about the terms kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, including one comment on the concept of a spiritual kingdom. Let's deal with that last area first. One major problem we have in the West is that when we hear the term spiritual, we think that thing is not real. That may not be true for all, but the following is true for most. We don't think things spiritual are as real as things physical. Remember another old idiom? He is so heavenly minded that he is no earthly good. If that is true, Jesus really blew it. There is one reason for this attitude among most people in the West, whether or not they want to believe that this represents their attitude towards the spiritual versus physical. Here's that reason. We have a mindset based on a rationalistic intellectualism. This mindset denies the mystical as either not real, or in the case of many Christians, they see such things as deceiving and coming from the enemy. I will talk much more about this in the next series, which I will entitle Communing with the Trinity. Oh, here's a thought. You can always pick up my two-volume book by the same title in which I go extensively into this subject. The next two points I want to make about the terms Kingdom of God and Kingdom of Heaven are two more proofs that they refer to the same thing. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 23 and 24, you will read the following. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. You will remember this passage as Jesus' response to his disciples after his encounter with the rich young ruler. Here, Matthew shows Jesus using the terms kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God interchangeably. The third reason I want to give for why these two terms are interchangeable goes along with the first one I shared last week. The usage of these terms is almost always based on the audience the specific gospel writer was addressing. I gave you specific proof of that last week, but this week I want to give you one more way of seeing this biblical reality. If we look at parallel passages found within the Gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see the same thing. Kingdom of God and Kingdom of Heaven are interchangeable terms. Now, on a podcast, this can become very confusing. However, if you pick up either my Communing with the Trinity book or the Radical Jesus Prayer book, you will discover I have laid out an easy-to-read chart comparing all the nine times we read these terms used interchangeably between the three synoptic Gospels. Here, I will just give you a few examples. 
The first comes from the passage we have already used. In Matthew's Gospel, he has Jesus using the terms kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven interchangeably. Yet, in Luke's Gospel account, in chapter 18, verses 24 and 25, which deal with the same incident, we see that Luke has Jesus only using the term kingdom of God in both phrases. Matthew used kingdom of heaven in the first phrase and then kingdom of God in the next. The second and last example I will share with you in this podcast can be found by comparing Matthew chapter 19 verse 14 with Luke chapter 18 verse 16 and Mark chapter 10 verse 14. Matthew quotes Jesus using the kingdom of heaven terminology when he said, Let the children alone, and do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Luke quotes Jesus in the same incident as saying, Permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Finally, Mark quotes Jesus saying this, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. You will remember that Matthew's gospel is the only one focused on the Jews, while Luke and Mark were focused on a Gentile audience. To the Jews, the term kingdom of heaven is a term which was used for the most part in the rabbinical writings for the kingdom that would be established when Messiah came. However, the Gentiles would not have this information and would be confused. If Mark and Luke used the same terminology as Matthew, they would think Jesus was talking about heaven instead of the spiritual kingdom he established in his first appearance. Once again, the reason we in the West get confused is that we are Gentiles. Of course, the easy believism gospel focused on going to heaven and the I'll fly away mentality sure don't help matters. Here is the bottom line. The term kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, and kingdom speak of the same thing. Each writer exchanged one for the other depending on the audience. The only exception is when the term kingdom without God or heaven attached to it is used about the kingdom of Satan and the kingdoms established by humankind. Here is the best way to understand these things. The kingdom is God's kingdom. It is a spiritual, not a physical kingdom, and it has all the hallmarks of heaven. So, here's a question for you. What is the gospel? I once had a pastor from a very strong evangelical denomination ask me that question. In fact, his is the same denomination in which I hold my ordination. As I began to explain the gospel to him, he stopped me in mid-sentence. No, you are telling me what the gospel is all about. Here is what the gospel is. It is ten words. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. I always find it interesting how pastors trained mainly in theology can split such hairs. However, with that said, we often get confused concerning the gospel. The pastor who tried to stump me had his facts down right, plain, simple. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. However, most of us think the gospel is all about going to heaven, especially when that is the basic information used in presenting the gospel. Thus, the problem with easy believism and its ugly stepchild, the I'll fly away mentality, is born. Now, don't get me wrong. Yes, there is a heaven. And if we are in Christ, we go to heaven when we pass from this world. 
But despite the focus of the church for generations, especially the evangelical church and the way it presents the gospel, that is not the biblical emphasis of the gospel. There are three terms used connected with the term gospel. There is the gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus, and the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel was instituted by God, carried out by Jesus, and brings us into the kingdom. However, in the scriptures, the term kingdom is associated more than any other designation when they talk about the ministries of John the Baptist, Jesus, his disciples before his resurrection, and his disciples after the resurrection. Once again, a very long list of scriptures is laid out in either of my two books I mentioned earlier. However, I would like to give you a taste of what I am referring to concerning the ministry of the church, the gospel, and the kingdom of God. Concerning the ministry of John the Baptist, reread his message summarized in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, like this. Now, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Concerning the summary of the ministry of Jesus before his death and resurrection, we find many passages. Here are but a few. In Luke chapter 8, verse 1, we read, Soon afterwards, he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. Luke also tells us with these words from Jesus in chapter 4, verses 42 through 44. When day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place. And the crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he kept on preaching in the synagogues in Judea. Matthew summarizes the ministry of Jesus from this 3,000-foot view. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark gave a very interesting overview of Jesus' ministry in chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Here we see that Mark called the gospel preached by Jesus the gospel of God. However, he immediately defines the gospel of God in the same way Matthew and Luke do in giving us an overview of Jesus' preaching and teaching. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Thus, all three synoptic gospels agree on the main points of Jesus' preaching. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is at hand, repentance, and active faith in the gospel. Thus, we see from no higher authority than Jesus that the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the gospel of God all have one main focus, the kingdom of God. When Jesus sent his disciples out from him to minister before his death and resurrection, we read this summary of his command to them in Matthew 10, 7. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God heaven and its availability was the message they were given to preach. 
Even in Jesus' post-resurrection ministry on earth, Luke lets us know the key emphasis of his message he gave to those he was sending into the world as his representatives. We find this account in Luke's book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven, after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he suffered, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So, this was the message of Jesus. But what about those who were chosen by him and were so close to him? In Matthew 24, verse 14, Matthew summarizes the key instructions given by Jesus to the disciples just before his ascension. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So, did they follow through with this command? Well, we know at least one did. In Acts chapter 8, verse 12, we read the following. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, men and women alike. We also see numerous examples of how the focus of Paul's preaching and teaching was the kingdom of God throughout the book of Acts. Here is but one example. The very last thing we see of the Apostle Paul is found in Acts chapter 28, verses 23 and verses 30 and 31. Here is how Luke summarized the preaching and teaching of Paul. When they, Jewish leaders in Rome, had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he, Paul, expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So, at this point, if I asked you, what is the gospel, what would be your answer? Whatever you say about it, I hope somewhere you would say the key elements are the kingdom of God along with the completed work of Jesus. So if that is true, why do so many never mention the kingdom of God when presenting the gospel? That question, well, that question, it's pointed to you, my evangelical friends. By the way, today many never even talk about repentance. So, did you ever wonder where easy believism and the I'll fly away mentality come from? I think we have time to look at one more biblical point about the kingdom of God before our time runs out. What I want to share with you next can best be summarized by the following question. If the kingdom of God is such an intrinsic part of the gospel, what is it and how should it affect the life of a disciple of Jesus? We will spend the rest of this first series of podcasts answering the second part of that question. However, I would like to share with you a list of 13 points I made to answer that question in my previously mentioned books. I made this list after looking at all the scriptures I had used in the chapter on the kingdom of God. Remember, we did not go over all of them here, so you may be asking, where did these come from? 
Well, over the course of the next few episodes, we'll touch on most of them. But let me just give you this list of what the scriptures say the kingdom is all about. First, the kingdom, the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of heaven all refer to the kingdom the Jewish people expected. This was the kingdom prophesied in the Old Covenant that the Messiah would establish. Next, while the Jewish people expected a temporal kingdom, both John the Baptist and Jesus ignored that expectation. They focused on a spiritual kingdom. This challenged the Jewish leaders' strongest-held theological and cultural concepts. Next, the cry of the kingdom referred to by both John the Baptist and Jesus is, Repent, not to arms. Matthew 3, 1-3, Matthew 4, 17. Next, the scriptures summarize the preaching and teaching of John the Baptist, Jesus, and the disciples with one term, the kingdom of God. This includes the instructions given by Jesus after his resurrection to those who would represent him after his ascension. Next, the kingdom of God carries with it the concept of the acts of God. When God acts, the kingdom is there. Matthew 9.35, Luke 11.20, Luke 9.2, Luke 10.8-9. Next, where Jesus is, so is the kingdom. Luke 17.20-21. Next, Jesus and John the Baptist used the term at hand when referring to the time of the kingdom's coming, Mark 1.15. By the way, we will talk about what the meaning of at hand is in the next episode. Next, preaching, i.e. proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, was a key to the purpose for which Jesus came into the world. Next, those who receive the blessings of the kingdom of God are greater, eminent for ability, virtue, authority, and power than those who receive the blessings of the Old Covenant. There is a distinction in economy between the Old Covenant and the New Kingdom Covenant. According to Jesus, John was among the greatest men under the Old Covenant until the coming of the kingdom. Now the least in the kingdom are greater than John. Matthew 11, 1 through 15. Next, the kingdom of God is not static, but grows like a mustard seed, allowing many to find rest in its branches. Matthew 13, 31 through 32, Mark 4, 30 through 32, Luke 13, 18 through 19. Next, the kingdom of God expands, permeating any culture in which it comes. This is like leaven in the making of bread. Matthew 13, 33, Luke 13, 20 through 21. Next, the kingdom of God is the good news. The good news is the kingdom of God. Luke 16, 16, Matthew 24, 14. Next, the gospel of the kingdom of God takes the place of the law and the prophets, yet the law will never change. Luke 16, 16-17. That, my friends, forms quite a picture of the kingdom and how it should affect your life. The establishment of the kingdom of God is what the gospel is all about, and it is right here, right now. Again, we will speak in depth about that next week. If you are in Christ, you are in a new kingdom. You have been translated out of the old into the new. That which you should proclaim is the gospel of the kingdom of God. 
You, as a kingdom dweller, are greater than the greatest under the old covenant. Where God is, so is his kingdom. Thus, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you are in the kingdom. The kingdom is in you. By the way, Paul makes it quite clear in Romans chapter 8 that you cannot be in Christ, in other words, be a Christian, and not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. But let me go on. The kingdom must permeate all of your life in the same way yeast does when added to bread. That kingdom should form you into a wide tree where many will find comfort and rest. As the kingdom of God permeates through your life, changing your cultural values, it will likewise permeate into and through others. So, still think you can base your life on your native cultural values? One last thought on what constitutes a kingdom. There is a brother in Christ, Scott McKnight, you should become familiar with. He is an American New Testament scholar, historian of early Christianity, theologian, and author who has written widely on the historical Jesus, early Christianity, and Christian living. He is currently professor of New Testament at Northern Baptist Theological Seminary in Lombard, Illinois. Scott defines five essential necessities for a kingdom to exist. He says, a kingdom implies a king, a rule, a people, a land, and a law. This is true throughout not only history, but throughout the biblical narrative. To expedite things, believe it or not, let me reformat these necessities for a kingdom in a slightly different way. A kingdom must have a king who rules. It must have standards by which the king rules, and a people making up the community of the kingdom over which the king rules. Now, my friends, in light of all you have learned about the kingdom of God and what constitutes a kingdom, can you see why obedience is such an intricate part of the gospel? You see, if all you think is that the gospel is a message to get you from here to there by way of the cross, you might not understand the importance of obedience. And guess what? Most Christians, especially my fellow evangelical friends, may talk about obedience. But when push comes to shove, they either become legalists or purveyors of the gospel of easy believism. Theologically, they understand that faith produces obedience, but in practicality, well, let's just put it this way. To most, obedience is not as important as praying that prayer and really meaning it. Now you may have a better idea of why I see the move of God in Iran as a living example of kingdom Christianity. I believe in just two more episodes, okay, don't hold me to that, we will start a sequence of episodes within our present series looking at very specific ways cultural Christianity has seeped into our churches and our lives as American Christians. In that sequence of episodes, we will also see the difference kingdom Christianity makes in each of these areas and how it, and it alone, is the antidote. Yet, at the heart of this, the question that lies before you today as we move into that sequence of episodes is this. Are you ready? Please, don't kick the listening device you are using to listen to this podcast across the room. Here we go. 
Will you be obedient to what you see clearly laid out in the words, actions, and direct commands of Jesus and his early followers? Or will you simply make excuses as to why you can't and try to hold on to that one-way ticket to heaven easy believism makes you think you possess? I want you to constantly remember your fellow disciples of Jesus in Iran. If they obey Christ, they are subject to rape, torture, and death. Yet, when they read a command of Jesus or one of his earlier followers, they immediately obey with no questions asked, no second-guessing, nor no concern for the consequences. And get this— They see this attitude lived out in real life is a prerequisite to conversion. Why? The gospel is the gospel of the kingdom of God. Nothing more, nothing less. In a kingdom, you must obey your king. If not, well, you've watched enough movies to answer that question yourself. You see, my friends, faith is always active, not passive. And active faith always expresses itself in obedience leading to the good works Father predetermined that we should walk in. Biblically speaking, it is not a choice between faith and obedient works. It is always active faith producing obedient works that glorify Father, His Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the only reaction and outcome of the gospel that counts in any way, shape, or form. Well, my friends, that about wraps up things for this week. Next week, we will spend the entire episode of Inside Jimbo's Head looking at the question, when will the kingdom of God come? You really don't want to miss that one. So, until then, let me remind you to subscribe to this podcast, click the support button, and consider making a small monthly donation to my ministry with hurting youth and young adults. Please, also consider leaving us a message with your responses to what you are learning or what you think about this podcast. And be sure to check out the Hello Jimbo Speaking website at jimbospeaking.org, where you can get transcripts of each of the Inside Jimbo's Head segments as a PDF download, as well as many other interesting things. So, as I do every week, I want to encourage you that as you move through your life, go out there and by God's grace, make it a great week that honors and glorifies Him in the way He tells you to honor and glorify Him. Settle for nothing less. See you next week. Hey, it's Riri coming back at you. Before we sign off, I have just a few announcements. Please subscribe to this podcast today and become a part of the Jimbo Nation by setting up a monthly donation of only 99 cents, $4.99, or $9.99. Remember, if you choose the $9.99 monthly donation, you will get a 75% discount on everything at DLDU, including a lifetime membership. If you wait until after DLDU launches, that discount will drop to 33%. Plus, this week's DLD publishing special is on Jim's book, The Radical Jesus Prayer. Do you really want to pray like Jesus? 
If you subscribe and support at the $9.99 option, Jimbo will send you a code for a 25% discount on his already discounted book, which you can pick up at dldpublishing.com. But hey, if you choose to support whether or not you use a discount, you will be helping Jimbo make a huge difference in the life of some very hurting and misdirected young people. You know, the ones you hear about each week in the stories from the front lines of ministry segment. So it really is worth every penny you use to support Jimbo's ministry through the Robert Anthony West Fund, which Jimbo told you about in Robert's story from episode five. Also, I wanted to let you know about the Hello Jimbo Speaking podcast website, jimbospeaking.org. There, you can find past episodes of the Hello Jimbo Speaking podcast to download, transcripts of each Inside Jimbo's Head, a place to leave a written comment to Jimbo, as well as a place to support Jimbo's ministry to high-risk, disconnected youth and young adults. You can also sign up for a weekly sneak preview of that week's new Inside Jimbo's Head. So drop on over to jimbospeaking.org and check it out. Finally, please don't forget, next week, Jimbo will be back with another story from the front lines of ministry, a one-minute laugh with a punch comedy skit from Lifeline Productions, and a new segment in the Cultural Christianity versus Kingdom Christianity series. Hey, wait a minute. Here is Hershmer and Ha Ha. Wow, look at you two holding hands and all. But hey, haha, you sure got Hershimer a good one, girl. I mean, that was a classic. You doing okay, Hershimer? Yep, Riri. Hershimer doing just fine. You know, Jimbo tell Hershimer, if Hershimer dish it out, Hershimer must eat it. Well, I don't think that is exactly what Jimbo said, but at least you get the point. Hey, while you're both here, why don't the two of you close out the show together? Okay. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.